once was a family of four children, adult children, siblings, that loved their mother dearly, but they despised one another. In fact, it's been thought by the children that the reason that they hated each other was so much was really after dad died, things seemed to fall apart. So many different things had been said and done between the siblings that they just hated each other and couldn't stand to be around one another and were estranged to one another, yet they all claimed to still love dear old mom. This troubled the mother quite a bit. But her children yet decided to show their love for her and would every year try to kind of outdo each other. The children would see who could get her the best flowers or take her to the nicest restaurant on Mother's Day or get her the, the nicest of gifts. It's kind of a competition between these kids. Yet mom didn't want any of this. So she decided one year, a few months before Mother's Day, that she would actually write a letter to her kids. In that letter, she explained to them her undying love for them. She explained to them how she loved them even before they were born. Both her and their father had loved them dearly. When they were born, they showed that love as they cared for them. And even after their father died, she continued to show that love through the sacrifices she had to make to ensure that they'd be raised properly and to become good, upright citizens. She also raised them and showed her love for them in really encouraging them to be united as a family, but they weren't. So this mother then, in that letter, went on to say she wanted what she wanted for Mother's Day. She said she wanted no flowers, no candy, no special uh, restaurants or special trips. She wanted just one thing, the family be united once again. So she encouraged them in her letter. You love me, I know that. And I love you, and I've told you about my tremendous, undying love for you. Love one another. Show that love that you have for me to each other. Show my love to each other. Let us be a family again. Really, this letter changed their hearts. They had a very different Mother's Day that year. This Sunday marks the first week in an eight-week series covering the book of Ephesians, in which Paul focuses on one major problem in the church in Ephesus, and that problem was disunity in that church. Disunity especially between the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians there, who couldn't, couldn't get along, though they each claimed to love God. Yet Paul encourages them in this letter to realize that they are truly united, united in Christ. And so that's our theme that we take up for these next eight weeks, United in Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Our sermon text for this morning is recorded for us in the book of Ephesians, the first chapter, verses 3 through 14. Since that text has already been read, I'd like to read just a portion of verse 4 and 5 for you once again. He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world so that we would be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. Lord, these are your words and therefore they are your truth. We ask that you'd increase our faith through them. Dear fellow redeemed, predestination. 
Wow, Pastor, that sounds like a 50-cent word. Sounds like a very weighty, heavy, philosophical, theological term. Oh, wait a minute, you're not going to actually preach on that today, are you? It sounds extremely boring and completely irrelevant to my life. That's exactly what our text is about today, predestination. But I would argue that it is not irrelevant nor boring, but completely applicable to our lives today and comforting to us as Christians. What is that teaching, that big word? What does it mean, predestination? Well, it means simply this, that God chose you from eternity, before you were born, before even the creation of the world, to be his own dear child. And he did so 100% completely by his grace in Christ. So then we take up that theme today, united in Christ from eternity. God made very clear in the Old Testament who his holy and chosen people were. In fact, through the prophet Moses in the book of Deuteronomy, the seventh chapter, he has Moses write this, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. Most certainly was very clear to those Jewish Christians there in Ephesus that they were among God's chosen people. After all, they were part of that bloodline from Abraham, and now they even also believed in the Messiah whom he had sent. But what about those Gentile Christians? What about those that had lived heathen lives, worshipped false gods for decades perhaps, before coming to faith in Jesus as their Savior, were they also God's chosen people? can't imagine what it would be like to be an adopted child. Sure, it's not always easy. And I would guess that every adopted child, sometime in their life or another, probably has one big question. Do I really belong? they see their parents and perhaps even their other siblings, they see that they don't look like them, they can ask that question, do I really belong in this family? Especially as their parents, though, even encourage them and say, yes, of course, we paid for your adoption, we've done the paperwork, you legally are our child, we love you, we've chosen to love you, and nothing can change that. Yet the question might remain, am I really part of this family? Perhaps that was the question of those Gentile Christians. Are we part of this family of believers? Are we too chosen by God? The Apostle Paul at the very beginning of our text reassures them and really all the members of the congregation with these words. He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. Here he was assuring even the Gentile believers, yes, I have chosen you. In fact, I had planned for you to be part of this family even before you were born. This is all according to my plan. But, on the other hand, we know what the scripture says. That even though God has chosen individuals to be his own dear children from eternity, the Bible also tells us that God has not chosen Paul, but only some. So that question might be in our minds, well, what about me? Am I one of those Gentile believers that God has chosen? Has God really chosen me to be his child or not? For this, God really points us to a place where we can find our assurance of this election. 
As he says even in our text in verse 13, in him that is in Christ when you heard the word of truth and the gospel of your salvation and in him when you also believed you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You see, he points to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. That Holy Spirit who brought you to faith. See, the scriptures also say no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And so if you have faith today, which you do, the reason you have that faith is because the Holy Spirit has been at work already in your hearts, bringing you to faith in this truth. Sealed to you as God describes it. And so having that faith in Jesus, we can be certain that, yes, this was all part of God's plan. The reason I have faith today is because I was part of that elect that God had chosen. And in time, he also brought me to faith by the Holy Spirit. But what if our faith is weak? What if we look at our own lives and we say, yeah, there's certain times when I feel like I'm so strong that feel like I may be a Christian, but there's other times when I wonder and doubt. Other times when I look at my life and it doesn't look to be the life of a Christian, as I think about the own, my own horrible thoughts that I've had against my fellow man and even a fellow Christians, as I look at my own life and I think of the words that I've spoken, hurtful words against my neighbor and against even people that I say that I love, as I look at my own life and it doesn't match what God desires of each and every one of us in his word. Am I truly part of the elect? Well, if we do doubt even that we have come to faith, that we have been given the Holy Spirit, if we are part of the elect, God would further point us to the baptismal font. He'd point us also to his word, especially in Acts chapter 2, where Peter addresses the Pentecost crowd on that Sunday, and he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see what he connects to the baptism, that promise, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so what does that mean for us who have been baptized? We have, as God promised, received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And again, he is the one that creates faith. And it is he that has done that in our own hearts as well. So much so that we can be confident that, yes, we have been elected. Yes, God has also carried out that election to also bring us to faith even in time, bringing us his Holy Spirit through his word and also through his sacrament. It's interesting that Paul also reminds us what that Holy Spirit is for us. As he says that the Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of God's own possession. Yes, he is our down payment. We can see that Holy Spirit who has been most certainly at work in our hearts and lives. To see that, yes, we are God's children, the heirs of eternal life. However, God hasn't just chosen you from eternity. God hasn't just in time also brought you to faith through his Holy Spirit. But he has also done everything necessary for you to legally be his own dear child. Remember a number of years ago, my uh, father telling us a story about his time in the parish down in Arizona. Uh, we grew close to a, a couple that were winter visitors there at the church, so close that eventually the man started calling him son. And uh, he thought, well, that's kind of strange, but it's maybe a term of endearment. 
It was even more shocking, though, when one day that gentleman came up to him and he actually told him, you know, I went and talked to a lawyer to see if I could legally adopt you. And it turns out that I can't. Um, your father's still alive. You're an adult, so it wasn't going to work out. But it, it shows, right, that, that he really honestly wanted to make him officially, legally his son. And in fact, in a way, he did. He did by putting him in a will. In fact, including him as to be really treated as a son in the will, to receive the inheritance as a son. Well, God also doesn't just call us sons and daughters, but he has in fact done everything necessary to give us also the inheritance of his sons and daughters. And how has he done it? Well, it's in those simple words in our text, in Christ. And we see it over and over again. God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. God predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. As God has done what is necessary to make us legally his children. You see, there was a great barrier between us and God on account of our sin. In order for us to truly be his children, he would have to break down that barrier to in fact pay the price for our sin, and he has done it in Christ. In fact, that was part of God's plan all along. Not just to choose you from eternity, but also to send his son from eternity to redeem you. And in time, he has done that exact thing. So much so that Paul goes on to say, in him we also have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins. In him we have obtained an inheritance. So what does this mean for our daily lives? What does this mean for us here in the 21st century as we talk about our election or our predestination? Think about this. That same God who knew you by name, thought of you before you were born, no, before the creation of the world. That same God also, before the creation of the world, knew what it would take to make you his own dear child. He knew that it would take sending Jesus, and in time, he did that ex exact thing. As it says in Galatians, when the time had fully come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights or adoption as sons. This same God who chose you from eternity, who planned out your salvation, who carried it out in time, has also carried it further to bring you His Holy Spirit, to bring you to baptism, to bring you His Word, and to bring you to faith. That same God still has a purpose and plan for your faith even now. In fact, He has promised to carry that faith on until the day when He returns in glory. As Paul writes, I am convinced of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And as Jesus himself said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. See this truth for us today. This truth of predestination is incredible comfort. But that same God who planned our salvation chose us from eternity, carried out the time, brought us to faith, is also carrying out that faith still today. As he continues to strengthen it through his word and through his sacrament, to bring us to be with him forever in heaven, to receive the inheritance that he has promised for us and planned for us 
from the very dawn of time. Yes, we are united in Christ from eternity. We think about that word predestination. It seems like a big, weighty word. But oh, the comfort that is there. And there is much more that could be talked about about this doctrine. Many questions that are had that we didn't cover. The big thing I want you to get from this today is that comfort. The comfort of God or the plan of salvation that he has had for you. The plan of salvation that he continues to carry out in your life. And to realize what this means. That we are all part of God's family. Because he has chosen us from eternity to be his very own. In Christ. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and never shall be, forevermore.